dancing I don't know before the camera is on. Oh, there we are. It's <laughs> yeah. noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and 9 a.m. in Sacramento, California. And this is news that you can use from Courage for Friday, January 12th. Payday, as it turns out. And yeah. and uh, your hosts today are, well, uh, me, uh, Ray, and Nada Shevska, uh, uh, Justice, reminding us that Courage Electric is back today. <laughs> At twelve forty-five. That's Charles, right, right. How are you today? I am doing well. It's cold here. Cold for me here. Uh, probably not for you. But it, I mean, it's thirty-seven degrees, so I think that's cold. It's colder there than it is here, my friend. Yeah. But but that is that is destined to change next week, from what I understand. When we will have highs in the upper twenties and lows in the teens. Um, oh yeah. See, we mm-hmm. my lows never get to the teens. So um, that would be, that's why I, I don't live in Boston anymore. I, I understand. It, it's been a while since I've seen the teens and I, and I'm not looking forward to, to the teens again. I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't particularly care for the teens when I was in a teen in Boston. <laughs> I didn't care for the teens when my kids were teens and I don't like it when the weather is in the teens. I understand so. completely. So what is it that we're going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about um, are the automakers actually listening and are they going to start making affordable cars? Ooh, Ooh I do, like Do that. you think they are? So, you know, we have automotive news here saying uh, buyer demand is affordable cars and automakers and dealers are taking notice, right? So what they're saying is the the no, the best-selling cars at the end of December were the cheapest cars. <gasps> Go figure. What a what a weird concept, right? What a, okay, who who saw that? And um, automakers are worried about that. Yeah, uh, you you know, I I read the article, and as you know, we at Courage have talked about um, vehicle affordability ad nauseum, as my mm-hmm. son would say, uh, probably for like the last eighteen months, and so. I, I don't know why it suddenly comes as a surprise to the manufacturers and the dealers that their declining customer base is looking for less expensive, more affordable vehicles to be able to purchase. Why I, I, I don't I, I just I don't know how they missed that. Um, um you know, and yeah, the, as Marcello said here, they're just now starting to realize that like what how how did you not but i think the point is like a lot of this inventory piling up right that we talk about inventory you know all week piling up what are the ones that are piling up it's not the affordable ones it's all the expensive stuff it's all the it's all the 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 big profit margin high con you know uh, content vehicles that they produce the 60 70 80 90 hundred thousand dollar vehicles that they produced when you know what people are looking for are reasonably priced reasonably optioned entry-level vehicles the the chevy tracks and 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 i know people trash the tracks every opportunity every time i say the chevy tracks um but the chevy tracks Starts in the low twenties. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, I, I've never driven one. Um, I, I know it's powered by a three-cylinder engine. 
I have driven vehicles that have three-cylinder engines, um, turbo three-cylinder engines, and and they're fine in today's world. Um, And and when I sat in one of the Detroit Auto Show, it was it was a a pleasant-looking vehicle on the inside, Um, and it's affordable. And the tracks because it's affordable. I've driven one, or driven in one. Yeah, uh, you know, while we were on a test drive, and you know, they're for for their price point, they're good little vehicles. I, I have actually no problem with them. Everyone likes to trash everybody, you know. If you say Kia, people are going to trash them. We have people in the comments here. If, if you mention Toyota, ah, oh, their days are gone and they're over. So whatever on the trashing the names of people, but the, for the price, the Trax is a nice little vehicle. Like I don't have a problem with it. But the, the point to your point is. The reason why it's selling so well is because it's the affordable vehicle that you can get. You know, someone in the comments here, I forgot to start, I meant to, um, said, you know, are people settling for the smaller, more affordable, or is that what they want? I think you can look at the... The the article addresses that. A lot of people are settling because that's what they can afford. Yeah. They want the SUV. They can't afford the SUV. Or, or they want they want the higher trim level, yeah, but they yeah. can't afford that higher trim level anymore. You know, thank goodness some of the customers out there are aware of what they can and cannot afford. Um, and and those who are aware are a looking at different models, different brands that are less expensive than what they had been driving. Um, others are looking at the same brand but a a lower entry mm-hmm. level a model of that same brand so that they can afford it. It is, it's staggering to me that it took until January of 2024 for dealers and manufacturers to take notice that the public wanted less expensive vehicles. Well, I don't know. That's all we've been talking about for, for 18 months. So it is, it, at least to me, it indicates that, these manufacturers are so hello justin are so out of touch with reality and what do i mean by that well these executives are getting paid way too much money so they have no concept what an average person in america is 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 trying to do based on their earnings and yeah, you know, an average an average person in America. What's what? What's their average earnings? Fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. That what I think it's what fifty fifty four five last time I something heard. like that. Um, so that you know, if you have if you have executives at these manufacturers who are making millions of dollars a year, then guess what? Those hundred thousand dollar SUVs seem affordable to them. Yeah. Okay. To to the average Joe who's making fifty thousand dollars a year, guess what? That hundred thousand dollar SUV isn't affordable. The Trax is okay. The the Nissan Versa is. The Mitsubishi Mirage is. Yep. The the Kia Rio is. Um. So it's like these these people. These, I shouldn't use a term like that. So some of the executives there you go. Yeah, at, yeah. At, 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 the, at the manufacturers and some of the dealer principals need to 
get in touch with reality again. Need to understand um, kitchen table economics for the vast majority of Americans. Yep. In, it, it's most Americans or a good percentage of Americans don't feel as if they can afford things. 83% of, of people surveyed don't think they can afford to buy a new car. 83% of those surveyed. Think of that number. Think of how yeah. big that number is. And, and that number has been out. That survey has been out for what? Four five, six months. Yeah. Yeah. It's about four or five months. Yeah. I know. And, I think executives have told themselves it's about all about interest rates. Because look at what happened in December. What did they do? They just kept, they started offering 0% interest, thinking that they were still going to sell these high item cars. Yes. Just with zero. They, so I think that's part of where this disconnect is, is they're just saying, oh, it's all about the interest rate. There it's, is certainly a segment that is about this interest rate, yes, without a doubt. But I don't think it's all about that. No, it's part of the equation. Okay, yeah. um, it's it's part of what they're going to have to do to incentivize people to be able to feel as if they can afford those monthly payments. Um, and and it's, and it, literally, it is one of the reasons why I. Ray Shevska, expect the share of captive finance uh, companies loan originations to go up. Um, I believe in the last quarter, 30% of all loans were done by captive finance. So, and the reason for that is, well, twofold, the, the manufacturers support it. And when they do these subvented interest rates, they do it through their captive lenders. So I think we're going to see a significant increase in the number of loans that are actually originated moving forward with these captive finance companies. Uh, credit yeah. unions, banks, they will see their share of loan originations decline when it comes to automotive um, due to the manufacturers having to offer 0%. 0.9%, 1.9, 2.9, 3 3.9. That is so significantly below what the average rate is today that I that's where I think we're headed to, to some degree to try and make it affordable. And then we can talk about something else that, that makes it even less affordable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And we had a comment here. The Fed has signaled that the interest rates are coming down, but then yesterday's uh, inflation numbers sort of suggest um, that they won't. Well, be. they may not be coming down yes. as soon as we had hoped. Yes. Um, and the producer index came out today, and yeah, so it's a it's an interesting time as far as that goes. And what was uh you know we have this the new car price in in America right now is what forty seven thousand nine thirty six. That that was back in October. It has it has declined. It has declined slightly from that point. Uh, I, I think in December it was uh, forty forty seven something, or might even have been uh, forty six nine ish, something like that. New car transaction prices have declined to some degree, and the amount of incentives spend as a percentage of that transaction price has gone up dramatically 
it, it went up from like 2.2% of the transaction price to about 5.6% or 5.8% of the transaction price. And I suspect that that number will only grow moving forward. Um, yeah. But the, we, the public is screaming for um, cheaper vehicles. It's, yeah. it's, it's not that 83% of the public that says that they can't afford to buy a new car don't want to buy a new car. They just, yeah, feel they, they can't just afford can't afford it. it. Yeah. No, I would say that's, that's a surprisingly higher number of responsible people than I thought. Yes. Because yes. So like we talk about this all the time and we see it, you know, people getting into cars that they just really cannot afford. Um, and then, you know, when, when the, one of the top search Google terms is, uh, you know, surrender my car. Yes. Whatever, you know, that's. How do I give back my car? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but and you know, and part of this goes to um, a, a wonderful article Justin wrote for us. Yes, um, on you know, and the whole ownership of the experience is car insurance, right? It's it's not just I live here in California, so I always think I'm in a bubble, but yes. I didn't know this was just nationally. Um, yeah, car insurance rates are twenty four percent in twenty twenty three gone up 24 percent yeah yeah um and and i can tell you you know i'm a i'm i'm i guess for for geico i'm considered an older driver i'm 72 years old no accidents no tickets um don't really drive much i mean i have i have 7200 miles on my car um that i that i got on may 21st 2022 so um you know, we're, we're going on, it's almost two years and I have 7,200 miles on it. And I got to notice, yeah, you know, on Monday, they'll be taking out $118 for my automobile insurance um, from, from my bank account on, on it's, it's, you know, I, it, I had low, I had gotten it lower because I took Zach off the policy and, and I, you know, I put down, I drive less than 7,500. And it was down to like about $102, $103. Now it's back up to $118. And, and it's not like I've done anything. So if, and I think looking at the chart that, that Justin put together, I think the average cost is like $2,100 for full coverage insurance for people. Um, $2,160? <laughs> so, Call it two hundred dollars a month, okay? Let let let's just yeah. let's just say it's it's two hundred dollars a month. Uh, you know, and a year ago it might have been a hundred and fifty dollars a month. Well, if the car that you're looking at already isn't affordable, yeah, and then the insurance associated with buying that car that's barely affordable has gone up twenty four. The whole thing is getting it that none of it is affordable, and, and you have to look at maintenance, and you have to look at depreciation, and and you have to look at fuel costs. Now, thankfully, um, the price of gasoline's gone down, but insurance is if somebody's looking at a car, and I think we've had this conversation before, it is incumbent upon them before they pull the trigger on a deal to 
contact their insurance company and say, if I move off the car I have now to this car, let me give you the VIN, what am I looking at for my insurance rate? They need to know that before they pull the trigger. And if they don't make that call and they buy the car and then they contact their agent and then they're like shocked when they find out how much their insurance went up. So, and insurance, and will you talk about what we've talked about, you know, uh, the whole last half of last year too, was um, parts, the part shortages make repair costs really high. So you should really be looking at, you know, what is the long-term maintenance going to be mm-hmm. on the vehicle? You know, you, smart, savvy consumers, like a lot of the people who watch and car edge and, and deal with us over there. You know, they look at all these to see what their affordability is. Yes. Unfortunately, not everyone does that. And we, there's a lot of people who go into, maybe they've looked into the payment, but then they find out between insurance and maintenance and repair costs that they just are in a car. They, can't afford yes and and you really got to look at all that and try to figure out look this everyone knows you know i own a tesla yes and um and i didn't do it for the environment though i love the environment it's where i keep all my stuff yeah so um (laughs) i'm fond of it um but that's not why i bought it one of my big ones is uh i don't want the ongoing maintenance yes of it and i know what the real reliability and so that was all played into my thinking on my on my tesla was okay you know i can get the the cheap rates and i can charge it and i don't so no oil changes and tune-ups and all that like that played into my thinking on on my vehicle and then of course you know i bought used and got a great deal and, yes. and all that um but i don't think everybody looks at all the pieces and everything um and it, I think it's creating, you know, a problem for a lot of people. And and if I may, and I and I know, I'm not going to say you're a Tesla fanboy, but you're you're a Tesla fanboy. <clears throat> and uh, and it's loyal kind of, is what it's called in any other brand somehow. Okay, you're you're Tesla <laughs> loyal. Um, and but but part of the conundrum for the insurance companies is that I think. <laughs> If if I have my statistics correct, I believe 7.8% of the market share of sales, new vehicle sales last year, were EVs, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And um, so 7.8% of 15.6 million. Um, so it was over a million EVs that were sold in the United States last year. And part of the conundrum for the insurance companies is that, is that when EVs are involved in accidents, they are grossly more expensive to repair if they are even deemed repairable. Um, And so with the growing EV market, even though it is stagnated to some degree, it's still growing, just not as fast as it had been. Uh, That's going to continue to impact how insurance companies uh, come up with what their premiums are for everybody's cars. Because yeah. they know is if, if the number of EVs on the road are going to continue to increase, and, it, and they will, well, mm-hmm. then the ultimate cost of repairs for vehicles involved in accidents are going to re- increase 
uh, because, well, EVs are just more expensive when they are in an accident. Yeah. Now they're just, you know, there's so much tech. Any car with that much tech is going to be just flat out more. You know, when we started putting sensors into vehicles, even Toyota repair costs, right, went up a lot mm -hmm. with the Toyota safety sense and all that. Yeah. So the more tech you start packing into there, especially when the tech is, you know, these sensors that are up in bumpers and stuff where you go, hey, you do you know what a bumper is supposed to be for? <laughs> like, maybe don't put a whole bunch of expensive tech in there. Yeah. Um, hey, I just, uh, we have some people in the chat here who need to join us on the EV show because that's not real. Um, and um, I've never been called an elitist before. I, I, I kind of like that. Well, um, yeah. And, and I, I don't, don't think of you myself an elitist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't think of you in those terms. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> um but yeah i mean look it's certainly the repair cost is is a really big deal with evs the more we'll we're going to talk about hertz uh here in about uh, what 30 minutes here yes uh just under uh because that is one of their big messages on those vehicles too why they're getting rid of those um and that's all something to consider and i do wonder how much it's going to impact Normal insurance. I, I I've shared this on the car edge uh, or on the electric show before, but when I got my Tesla, I went to my insurance carrier. Yes. So I'm not going to name. Um, and I got a quote for the Tesla, and it was three times what I was paying wow. for my Kia. Three times. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started shopping around. I ended up getting Tesla insurance, which saved me twenty dollars a month. Wow. On my insurance. Um, but everyone else was way high. And I think Tesla's offsetting the cost of their insurance with their sales and everything else, which is the only reason why I was able to get it. Because everyone else, the insurance rates are astronomically high because of what you just mentioned. Look, when when something does go wrong, and the only reason you have insurance is for when something goes wrong. Let's um, face it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then then, uh, you know, it's a really, really expensive. Well, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't take that severe of an accident, apparently, in, in a lot of these EVs to impact the battery pack. And if there's any type of issue with the battery pack, um, yeah. Most insurance companies are just going to declare the vehicle a total loss. Well, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, look, what I, what we talked about, you know, is there a fire risk with EVs? No, it's the lowest fire risk. However, if you do damage the battery pack, um, that's a different story. And when yes. they do catch fire, they're um, hard to put out. It, it is a good luck situation. So you also have the cost on, fire departments yes and and rescue and all and all and all of that to consider into this this cost not that you have to figure that into your uh purchasing power on your vehicle but certainly all this plays into the affordability of things we're talking you know teslas are one of the more affordable you know luxury you know how i feel about that yeah um, but and you know how i feel about yeah it. yeah uh we <laughs> We may not agree that they're luxury, um, but, you know, one of the premium vehicles, you know, yes. is one of the more affordable. But again, you're you're into the same situation there. So maybe I've gotten rid of 
my maintenance costs. Um, tires don't wear out like everyone says they do. Um, they're, they're fine. Um, but there is a risk of insurance. If someone, you know, rear ends me or broadsides me, yes. it actually does play into my mind. Believe it or not, it does when I'm driving. I'm like, you know, when you get into those close accidents, when I was in my Kia Optima, I was like, whatever. Yeah. Go ahead and hit me. I need the insurance money. Uh, if, <laughs> if my Tesla, I'm like, don't hit me. I can't afford that. Don't yeah. hit me. I can't afford that. You know, and, you know, this is all plays into the, the consumer mindset of what's going on right now. Uh, and and that's, you know, with, with insurance being what it is, that's why um, people, here, here's a statistic that you need to keep in mind. 84% of all people who buy cars finance them or lease them. So in essence, they are what is referred to in the automobile business as payment buyers. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is like they, they walk into the dealership and it's like, well, I don't care what the price of the car is. As long as my payment doesn't exceed X. Yeah. And that's all they want to know. Okay. We'll, we'll, as long as my payment doesn't exceed X, I'm okay. I'll buy the car. So if 84% of the people are payment buyers, finance customers, how shocked are they going to be when they forget to check what their insurance is going to now cost them on a monthly basis? Because if, if the payment that they feel they can afford, and let's say, it's $750. And the reason I'm picking $750 is that's about the average payment today on a new car in America. Okay. Let that sink in. Yeah. yeah. Um, 750 bucks is the average payment. If your automobile insurance is another $200 a month, you're at $950 before either you plug it into, to recharge the batteries or before you start buying gasoline or diesel for it, fuel for it. Um, and then whatever maintenance costs that you have. Th these all have to be considered, especially for people who are payment buyers, because they have to know what fits into that monthly yeah. budget. They only have X amount of dollars that they, that they can put towards a vehicle on a monthly basis. And, and I can tell you from experience, most of them kind of forget the cost of insurance and kind of forget the cost of fuel. Mm -hmm. And they definitely forget the cost of maintenance and depreciation. They don't want to know from any of that. Um, so that, you know, if somebody says, yeah, I can afford $750 a month, they're not thinking about the rest of it, but they should be. Um, they absolutely should be. And that, that's part of the, the problem is that the insurance going up as high as it's going up, when, when the people realize what they've done is they realized in many cases that they've gotten in way over their heads. Yeah. Well, and one point on that <laughs> to, to bring up that I really liked in Justin's article, which I had linked in the chat. Yes. So everyone should click on that. Um, uh, car insurance rates increased by 638% more than the average wage growth. 
Like, so yeah. it, it, I mean, that is an enormous number of, you know, your, our wages aren't going as fast as the inflation, as we all know. Yeah, like yeah, anyone who's been alive long enough knows that's how that goes. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, it's just hitting you everywhere, right? It's hitting you in insurance. It's hitting you in the car prices. It's hitting you in rent. Food. It's hitting you in food. It's hitting you, you know, in utilities. Um, my my EV utility credit's about to expire, which I feel awful for. Ray, you've seen some of my utility bills. <laughs> I'm not going to get that anymore. You know, my $13 a month utility bill is going to go away. Um, so I'm going to, you know, I got to readjust for paying actual real prices. Yes. Um, and th this is all stuff that I think Americans are getting hit every which way you can see right now. And they're feeling the pinch. And when it comes to the car, it is a lot more of a discretionary purchase. Yes. Um, unfortunately, for the there are some people who must purchase. But to your point on the payment buyers real fast, the ones that I see, I've seen 84 and 96 month payments come across. Be, and they're, you know, I try to tell them, you just need to get a cheaper car, not, yeah. not pay for that long. But they're just like, well, but I can afford that monthly payment. Yeah, you can. Sure like, you can. Yeah. But, okay. you know, on the long-term cost of the vehicle, but they're not concerned they, with long-term costs. They don't want to know. They, they don't can't want, they because don't they can't afford it. Yeah. So it's just, and, I'm just going to look at this monthly. And if I may, um, you know, one of the ways that people mitigate the increase in their auto insurance is to take a higher deductible because mm -hmm. they can't uh, pay exactly you know so that that's great i hope you never have that accident but when you do have the accident suddenly you're responsible for the first thousand or the first 1500 and the vast majority of americans don't have enough in savings to cover a 500 dollars emergency bill how are yep. you going to cover a thousand or 1500 dollars deductible so I get that you're trying to make your insurance more affordable on a monthly basis, but you are putting yourself at greater risk because if you do have an accident and you have a higher deductible, you might have a very difficult time being able to figure out how you're going to write that check for that deductible. Or I guess you could just charge it to one of your high interest uh, credit cards. I mean, yeah. people have to think about all this stuff. They just, have to think about it. And if, fortunately, the ones who are on the lowest fixed incomes, the ones who are looking at those 84, 96 month loan terms because of the payments are the ones who are not looking at the insurance costs. Exactly. They're the ones who are doing the super high deductible on their insurance. Yes. And then, you know, and they're the ones who probably aren't getting gap. So of course. they get into an accident <laughs> and they have just put themselves in such a worse position yep. than they were ever off in the first place. And I think they see that as their only option. And that's, what's horrible is that there are people who that's, they think that's their only option. I mean, I see someone here said they need to go to uh, Brandon from car questions answers a lot. I agree. They need to yes. maybe not buy the 2020 car and go for that $5,000 junker. Like you you just, know, somewhere, somewhere along the way, and I think I found it, um, uh, JLP 33015 
thank you for your kind donation. Um, if that's a super sticker, I guess I'm supposed to go like this because, well, <laughs> that's that's what we've all grown accustomed to, yeah. and I apologize for that up front. Um, can I thank? I can't. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I can't thank you enough for yesterday and today for filling in for for Zach, who will be back. Um, well, on this show Monday, uh, but I believe that we're scheduled to do a Saturday night live on the Ray and Zach channel tomorrow night. Um, so for those of you who might be interested in seeing Zach again, uh, that would be, uh, tomorrow night at seven Eastern for Pacific. You figure out the rest of the damn time zones. <laughs> you and I are coming back here in about, uh, well, 12 minutes on the, uh, uh, to do the electric show. So that's right. We so will be over, over there. Thank you so much for filling in. Thank you everybody for being here today. Um, you know, there's no point in doing this if, if you're not coming along for the ride. So thank you for that. Thank you everybody.